This morning, I would like to remind you of why the good news is good. I don't expect I'm going to tell you something that you've never heard before or that you don't know. I just simply want to remind you about why the good news is good. And I, even that's not new. I try and do that every week, right? Last week, last week I wanted to convince you that the gospel or the good news is good because God is good. Because God Himself has taken initiative. Because God Himself has loved you. Because God Himself has made you right with Him and shown His righteousness apart from the law. God has done what needs to be done. And so, it's good that you can count on Him. That you can anchor yourself to Him. And when you trust Him, it's good. I tried to show that to you last week. I wanted you to see that ultimately, the goodness of the good news finds its roots in the person of God Himself. But in all fairness, that is just the foundation of the good news or the first part of the good news. Because if it's good news that has no bearing at all on my life, well, it's just news, right? It's not really that good. One of the things that makes it good is that it means something to me. One of the things that makes it good is that what I've heard about Jesus or or what I've heard about the Gospel has bearing on my life and the way I live, that makes it good. And that's what I want to show you this morning. is really the other side of the, the coin. The other side of this good news. So, on the one hand, we have the Gospel being good because God makes it good. On the other side, we have it good because it meets our deepest need for what is good. And so in order to show you that this morning, I want to invite you to turn to the same passage we looked at to see the other side. Yes, last week. So turn to Romans chapter 3, beginning verse 21. And I mean, this is, this is such a beautiful text. And part of its beauty is that it has both of those elements to the Gospel embedded in it. In fact, it relies on both the, the character of God and the faith of the believer to bring this good news home. So, Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood, to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in His divine forbearance, He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So even even in this final 
phrase of the text we're looking at this morning, you see this deep-seated need that we have for Jesus that is only enjoyed by faith. The one who has faith in Jesus. And so that's really what I'm, what I'm aiming at. What I'm hoping you will get this morning is a deeper, more confident faith in Jesus. So let's look at why this good news is good. And what we talked about last week is it is good because in this good news, in the Gospel, the righteousness of God has been manifest Apart from the law. God has shown us His rightness. His moral rightness. His perfection in holiness. His goodness. His love. His forbearance. His justice. His anger. His love. All of the things about God that are right have been now made known to us. His righteousness has been manifested. And it's been manifested apart from the law. It's been manifested apart from the law. A Jew that had the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, on their lap, the the Torah or uh, the the books of Moses and the prophets, they had them on their lap. They would have considered that book to be the righteousness of God, the righteous expression of who God is. The law was that. And so it would be a little bit unthinkable for them to say there's righteousness apart from the law that happens apart from the law that doesn't depend on us keeping the laws of God so that He then thinks we're right. That's a certainly a, a Jewish issue. But I want to suggest to you that it goes far beyond being a Jewish issue. I think it is a religious issue. I think it is a modern issue. I think that you and most of the people that you know really deep down in your heart believe that the righteousness of God is sort of or more or less manifested by keeping the law. I want you to think about this. Because most of us understand this good news. And we understand it primarily as a means by which someone becomes a Christian. Okay, If there's an imaginary line here, and I start out as a non-believer or someone who does not trust in Jesus, in order to get the information I need, and in order to have the right response to that information, or if I get the news I need, the good news I need, and to respond rightly by faith to that news, I cross over this line and I become a Christian because I believe the good news or the Gospel. That's how most of us treat it. As though it is sort of the, um, the price of admission 
into Christianity. And then once you get in here, then you better behave. You better be good. You better do right. And we apply the same principle here as someone who believes the law. But what happens is we just treat it as that price of admission when in effect this good news is not just what gets us in, but it's also the currency. It's not just the price of admission. It's the currency of the Christian life. It is everything you need now. So, if you're over here, I want to commend you. You're going to hear some stuff today that is going to be really encouraging about what God intends to do for you by faith. Okay? I want you to trust it and I want you to walk over here and I want you to become a believer. If you've already sometime in the past crossed that line and now you're over here, I want you to stop trusting in the law for your righteousness. Okay? Both, of, both groups of people need to not trust the law. Look, you say, oh, I don't, I don't. I want you to think about this for a minute. If you have a good day, a really good day, where the sun is shining both physically and metaphorically on you, and you're thinking that that life is good, God is happy with me, you believe the law. Or conversely, if you... If something bad happens to you, and your reaction is to sort of look over your shoulder at the things maybe you've done earlier in the week, you think, hmm, yeah. That's why God did this to me. That's why this went wrong, is because I did that back there. You believe the law, your righteousness is dependent on the law. If you are frustrated or disappointed in yourself because you are not as good as you think you ought to be, you're counting on the law. You're counting on somehow your own perfection, your own performance, being the thing that makes you happy, that makes God happy, and it's not. You're counting on the law. If you are not 100% confident that you are right with God, that He is happy with you, that He will accept you, You're counting on the law. Because this text tells us that the true righteousness of God, the thing that God, that makes God right and the way in which He makes us right, all of that is manifested apart from the law in the person of Jesus, His Son. And Jesus is the one who's right. Jesus has done right. Jesus is right. And God gives us His righteousness so that 
we might be made right. And that is certainty. See, either that's true or it's not true. It's either received by faith or not. It's not, I'm going to sort of get that, and then I'm sort of going to add a little of my religious performance to it. This is really important because we encounter this every day. We really, really do. The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. I want to free you from your deep down heart felt dependence on your own performance today. Because it is crippling for your confidence. It crushes your hope. The only place that you get the confidence that you need to trust in Jesus is when that's exactly what you do. You trust in Him and not in yourself. Because the righteousness of God has now been manifest apart from the law. You see, if you go back one verse to verse 20, this is what it says, "...by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in His sight." That doesn't work. We all cling to it. We all deep down in our hearts say, but I can do better. But I didn't mean to. But I'm going to try a little harder. We all say that. And when we say that, it is a loser's game. Because by the works of the law, nobody will be made right with God. Not even you. And this is, this is epidemic. We all think that there's just this little shred of goodness in us or good works or something that God's going to like us better or He's going to accept us or it's going to be part of what the equation is. I mean, this is so common that in chapter 10, Paul calls out his countrymen, the Jews, for this. He just says, being ignorant of the righteousness of God. In other words, they haven't heard this sermon. They didn't read chapter 3 before they got to chapter 10. They're unclear that the righteousness of God is revealed apart from the law, so they're ignorant of it. They ignore Jesus, the revelation of the righteousness of God. To ignore Jesus is to do what? It's to establish your own righteousness. And it is to not submit to God's righteousness. The reason that the reason we're talking about the righteousness of God apart from the law is because way down at the roots of your heart is a deep-seated self-dependence, a deep-seated self-congratulation that you're you're hoping beyond hope that you're going to be up for it. And what that tells me is that you are ignorant of all that comes to you in Christ. Because the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law. And it also tells me that you are deep down at the very root of your heart not submitting to Christ. You're seeking to establish your own righteousness. Okay, this, I mean, if you look, if you like fractions, okay, this, this is not, this is not a fractional equation. Nobody likes fractions, right? <laughs> Good. This is a good place not to like fractions. It's not like God. Well, I do one percent and Jesus does ninety-nine, or I do fifty and He does fifty. I mean, it is not that. 
It is a part or without completely zero with the law. How many people? No human being. Zero. Get justified in God's sight by the works of the law. So, please give that up. Give that up. Stop doing that to yourself. And instead, believe. Look at this. This is too simple, right? The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Okay, that's you. That's me. That is anyone who says, okay, I believe this. I really don't think that I'm going to supply any part of what's necessary here for me to be accepted by God. All that supplied that's necessary for me to be accepted by God comes from Jesus. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ comes to everyone who believes. So it's pretty important then that you get belief right, isn't it? And we, I mean, it's easy to sell belief short. It's easy for us to talk about belief in a way that makes it more agreement. That when I believe, I agree. Right? Do you, uh, do you believe in God? Well, I agree that there is a God. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you? Well, I, I would agree that Jesus did die on the cross. Okay, well, what we're talking about when we're talking about believing, we're talking about acting as though that is true. Acting as though what God says about it is true. So that I believe God's plan A and I don't work on plan B. Plan A being, God says, the righteousness of God comes to those who believe. Is that true or not true? Okay. I take, if I take him at his word, that's belief. That's what it's talking about here. For everyone who takes him at his word. You're not taking him at his word if on the other hand you're over here saying, yeah, but just in case. Yeah, the righteousness of God comes to me through faith in Christ. And I still could have done better. That's not the point here. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all who count on His plan A and they don't invest in plan B. And this rule applies to everyone. There's no distinction, it says. For the Jew and for the Gentile. For the rich and for the poor. For the male and for the female. For the black and for the white. For the um, third world person. For the American person. Whatever categories you like. It doesn't even matter. All. All have sinned. 
and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone has the same problem regardless of their background. Regardless of where they came from or their upbringing. Because we all have this human nature that causes us to rebel against God. And part of that rebellion... See, we look at that rebellion and we say, that person's not that bad. Because their lie was little. Okay? They didn't steal millions of dollars. They didn't, they didn't embezzle, so it's not so bad. It's shoplifted, maybe. And we have this some kind of, we have this scale that says, it's not that bad. When in reality, the issue isn't how much a person stole. The issue is, they have thrown off the glory of God. They have rebelled against God. Every single person. Regardless of ethnicity. Regardless of any other attribute they have, every single person in their heart. And some of this, the roots of it, down deep, that is that human pride. Down deep is that we're going to protect ourselves. We're going to provide for ourselves. We're going to take care of ourselves. We're going to save ourselves. And so instead of trusting someone else to do it, I'm, I might say I trust someone else to do it. I might go to church so that it appears that I trust Jesus to do it, but deep down I'm also going to, I'm going to demand it of myself. This is, this is, I hope, helpful for those of you especially that, are, that make a lot of mistakes like I do. I mean, I constantly find myself beating myself up. Because of things I've said or done or attitudes I've had that I didn't want to have. And it's like, you come on. You saw, yeah, it even sound like I talk to myself that way a lot, don't I? Like, oh yeah, he's been down that path before. You know what? And that's true. But I not only repent of that thing that I have just talked to myself about, but I repent even of the hope that myself is going to get it together. Because my righteousness is not, doesn't come from here. My righteousness comes from Jesus. And so I count on that. And that fact, that's what it says next. Okay? Notice, all have sinned. And we all kind of get, we all get stuck there, right? All have sinned. And oh yeah, that's right. All have sinned and fall short of God. And all, okay, we're still talking about the same group. All are justified by His grace as a gift. In other words, anyone who gets made right with God, that's what justified means, anyone who gets made right with God, gets made right with God by grace as a gift. Is it really that easy? Is the good news really that good? Yeah. That's the question. In order for us to believe it, we've got to come to grips with the fact that yes, nobody is made right with God by the works of the law. That is true. So, I get made right with God by grace as a gift. Somebody outside of me does something for me that I can't do for myself. Guess who's proud about that? Nobody. You can't be proud about that and still receive it as a gift. It just doesn't work that way. 
So made right with God by a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. This is so beautiful. Through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. This is one of those great words. It said in verse 21 that the righteousness of God has come apart from the law, but it's made, but it's witnessed to by the law and the prophets. The way that one of the ways that it witnesses the um, righteousness of God is through this word redemption. If you were looking the Old Testament, the word redeem or redemption is all throughout there. And it has to do with ownership. Okay, I mean, God says the firstborn is mine. But what He does is He redeems the firstborn by laying claim to the Levites or the priests. The firstborn of every animal in the flock is mine, God says. So what do you do? You offer a tithe or a sacrifice to redeem that firstborn. So God, what this is telling us is that God redeems, He purchases us. He buys ownership of us by Christ Jesus. That is in Christ Jesus. This redemption is in Christ Jesus. So part of what happens here is that He is buying us from a former master. As though we were a slave. In fact, this is the way that it's developed throughout the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 6, it talks about you are no longer slaves to sin. Why? You've been redeemed. You've been purchased from that Master. I just, want to, I just want to suggest to you, if you've understood me to say that all of this happens apart from the law, so I don't need to worry about doing right or being good or any of that, you completely have misunderstood what I've, the, what I've said and you've misunderstood the word righteousness. It means being right. You are made right. You don't get made right by doing wrong. You get made right by Jesus. And part of that being made right is breaking the power that sin has on you. You are redeemed from that Master. So that now, between the temptation and the response, there's a gap. There didn't used to be a gap. The Master made you do it. You're not your master anymore. You still get the temptation. I assume you do. I assume that there's a temptation in your life to gossip. I assume there's a temptation in your life to, to lust or to something else. There, there's a temptation and it's like, boom! And it, it, the reality is, no, not boom. You don't immediately have to obey that master. There's a gap where you can say, I have a new master. And I prefer Him to sin. really is that simple. That gap is what was purchased for you in Christ Jesus. Then there's another word here that is unbelievably good. Whom God put forward. See, as God's doing, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood. Propitiation is a word that we never use. That is a religious word. means to satisfy God's wrath. Okay, I'm just going to say this. It would be wrong for God not to be wrathful towards sin. For a, for a perfect God to completely be down with imperfection, for a holy God to be completely down with evil, 
Isn't that not okay? God doesn't compromise there. But He is angry toward evil. And what God does with that is He either condemns the sinner and judges that sin, or He puts that condemnation on someone who will satisfy it. Namely, His Son. So that His wrath against sin is gone. That's what that means. Again, the Law and the Prophets bear witness to this. This is now... This comes right out of the Old Testament. Some of you have translations, if you look very carefully, that say, God put Him forth as a sacrifice of atonement. A sacrifice of atonement is an Old Testament picture where the sinner would come with a goat or a bull or a sheep and they put their head on the head of the animal and the priest would kill the animal while that person right there in the blood of that person we sprinkle on the altar and their sins would be forgiven for a while by that sacrifice god would say for now i'm not going to judge your sin and it was bloody and it was smelly and it was dirty and it was all of that so that you I mean imagine that some of you aren't farm people at all but if you're right there your head on an animal and and somebody cuts it and it just bleeds right at your feet and why and you have to say why is what is this all about I mean this this is because of my offense against God and guess what you had to do again next year same thing see what you have here is God put Jesus forward as a propitiation by Jesus' blood so that that sacrifice for sin once and for all forgives you. It doesn't forgive you if you do pretty good. It doesn't forgive you if you try a little harder. If you don't make any mistakes, it forgives you. It forgives you, forgives you completely. Unbelievable. Just Unbelievable. But you better believe it. Because that's, that's how it helps you, right? Whom God put forward to satisfy His own wrath because of Jesus' blood, like all those sacrifices in the Old Testament, to be received by faith. You have to believe it. But that's where the real crisis comes. Because either we're, either we're over here trying a little harder, hoping in ourselves that somehow we're going to we're going to do a little better and God's going to treat us a little better. Or we're over here saying, you know what? I take God at His Word. All that sin, whew, I'm good with God because I have been made righteous by faith. Okay, Again, it's to demonstrate God's righteousness because in His nature, He is gracious and compassionate slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. And when He is, He passed over sin. In order to pass over sin, He needed something to satisfy His holiness against that sin. And He put forth His own Son. Believing that, believing that doesn't just make you Christian. Believing that is Christian. 
it is something that you must believe every single day. So that as we think about our sin and as we think about what God is doing for us and has done for us, we recognize the only way that this, that this Gospel keeps God right or just is through what Christ has done on the cross. The only way this Gospel makes us right with God is through the cross of Jesus. So that it's good news both for what it does for God, it makes Him right, and it makes Him also the one who makes people right. That's what it, this Gospel does. That's what it does from God's point of view. But it also, from our point of view, is it's, it's really this, not our own effort, that makes us right or justified. That's what justified means. Made right with God. And so I invite you to be somebody. Maybe at the beginning, maybe today's the day when you say, Okay, I, I maybe I get it. The guy should just stop talking, keep stop saying the same thing he keeps saying. That it's Jesus who makes me right. I believe that. And maybe today's the day you need to cross that line and trust Jesus for the first time. And give up trying on your own. But for those of you that are already over here, that in the that sometime in the past you've trusted Christ, I want to just plead with you. Not to, not to try to hold both things. Not to hold the Gospel into one hand and your self-righteousness with the other. That's what it is. It's either Jesus' righteousness or self-righteousness. And I want you to just let that go and trust solely in Jesus. So this is, this is really nothing more than the heart of the Gospel. The heart of Christianity. It is an invitation to be a person of faith. To trust in Jesus in His work on the cross. Let's pray. Oh God, I pray that every person within earshot of my voice would believe in Jesus. Father, would You forgive those of us who are proud, too proud to let go of our own goodness, that shred of self-righteousness buried deep down there. God, would You dig that root out. And God, would You enable us then to trust instead in all that Jesus has done for us when He became the righteousness of God apart from the law to everyone who believes. God, would You grant us faith to believe that, I pray. In the name of Jesus, Amen.